You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. All right, all right, all right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You may sit down, please. You may sit down, please. Happy Father's Day to every father in the house. Praise the Lord. Like Pastor David said, fatherhood is worth celebrating. It is. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be a father. And when you see one who does the work well, you celebrate them. We celebrate mothers. We celebrate fathers too. Praise the Lord. Also, have you guys seen Joshua's shoes this morning? Have you seen his shoes this morning? Praise the Lord. And then Chioma is in church for the first time in a long time. That's actually a big testimony. Welcome back. We missed you. It's okay. All right, let's get into God's Word, shall we? All through the month, we've been doing a teaching series. We've titled the teaching series, Success Systems. And um, you can sit down, gentlemen. Thank you. In the evening, I'll need you people more. So go and sit down and rest. Conserve your energy. All right, so we titled um, the teaching series, Success Systems. And all through the month, we've been trying to acquaint the believer with principles and ideas, not just ideas, but Bible ideas on the subject of success, how the believer can and should be successful, things to do. Hallelujah. And we've been taking the teaching series every Monday, every Sunday rather, and every Wednesday. Speaking of midweek services, praise the Lord. From the month of July, all our midweek services will be physical, amen. All our midweek services will be physical, and um, we will move them from Wednesday to Thursday, hallelujah, but they will be physical, and you don't want to miss it because the month of July, the teaching series for the month of July is School of Prayer, we're going to be talking about prayer, and then on Wednesdays, we're going to be talking about training your human spirit, training the human spirit, so um, we're going to pray. That's the In the month of July, we will pray. Say amen. amen. Yes, we're going to pray a lot. Praise the Lord. All right. And today, I actually want to, I want to do what seems like the last instructional teaching on this teaching series. And um, um, maybe you might call it secrets of success or principles of success, whatever you want to name it. Go ahead and name it. You can name it Jatalakus, if that works. Um, but I want to do it in such a way that I'm going to teach and I'm going to try to um, shorten my teaching, shorten my teaching, so that I can leave room for questions and answers. I actually want to tackle specific questions and answers. So what's going to happen is I'm going to teach for a while, and then when I'm done teaching, I'm going to ask for your questions 
please make sure you already have them written out. If, if we don't have questions, I will just wrap the service up. We have another service this afternoon. Okay? Can we do that? All right, let's get into it. Success secrets or secrets of success. Um, the first secret is what I've called the Rehoboth secrets. Rehoboth. Rehoboth is spelled R-E-H-O-B-O-T-H. Rehoboth. Rehoboth secret. And um, open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 26. We'll be reading from verse 18 to 22. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Genesis chapter 26, we'll be reading from verse 18 to 22. Are you there? Let me come down. All right. And it says, And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had dug, because I'm, I'm tired of saying the word dig, seems weird, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. Verse 19, And Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdsmen of Gerah did strive with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. And he, named the well, he called the name of the well Essek, because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna, and he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not, he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. The first secret of success is the secret of grit and consistency. Grit, G-R-I-T, and consistency. How that Isaac could get into a place, dig a well, and some people will come and seize the well from him. And Isaac is not going to sit down and say, oh, why is this happening to me? You know, he dug another well. And when they seized the other, he dug yet another well. There's nobody who is going to be successful in life that does not understand the secret of greed and consistency. You must be stubborn. Did you hear what I said? You must be stubborn. If the devil comes at you and says, I'm going to put your back on the ground, you tell him, do your worst. You have strong head, my head is stronger. Do you understand? You get back down, you get back up. It's not a bad thing to fall. It's a bad thing to stay down. And if you don't learn to be consistent, a lot of people don't understand that what takes people far is consistency. Have you ever heard of one-hit wonders? You know what one-hit wonders? You, you, some of you can think of some people they release a song, just one song, and it goes viral. And that's it. They, they fade out into obscurity because of lack of consistency. Listen, in life, you need intensity. Intensity is good. But intensity makes something happen just once. 
And intensity doesn't take people far. Do you understand? What makes people go far is consistency. This evening, I'm going to teach on the law of process. And listen, there are certain things that it doesn't matter how good you are at doing it. People need to see consistency before they give you money. Am I saying the truth? Listen, if you see an Instagram ad and you open the ad and it's a very beautiful pair of shoes and the pair of shoes cost how much? How much do shoes go for now on Instagram? Say 15,000. Let's say 15,000. The pair of shoes cost 15,000 naira. 15,000 naira is a lot of money, is that not? Ah, yes. So you open the page. The first thing you will do is you will scroll through the page to find out, do they normally sell shoes? Or is this the only one? If you open the page and there's only one post on that you know you won't buy. Why? Lack of consistency. Many of you don't understand this. Many people don't understand this. And this is why many businesses, they start up, they gain momentum, they fail. They start up, they gain momentum, they fail. They start up, they gain momentum, they fail. Because people know you are not consistent. You must have the grit. And today I'm going to sort of pull all the teachings we've done this month, especially on Wednesdays together. Remember the parable of the cows? Do you remember them? I taught you how there, um, in that parable, you had seven lean cows, seven fat cows. The seven fat cows came first. And then after the seven fat cows came seven lean cows. And the seven lean cows swallowed the seven fat cows. Is that correct? And I explained to you how there will always be lean cows and fat cows. You will have times of plenty and you have times of lack. What you do in the times of plenty will determine how you experience and survive the times of lack. Many people are not consistent because in their time of plenty, they eat all the fat cows. Do you understand? So the structure that is supposed to enable you in your time of lack, you've eaten it. Listen. Let me teach you something important. In life, value, systems, and structures above personal discipline. Did you hear what I said? Value, systems, and structures above personal discipline and willpower. Do you know that personal discipline is, over is overrated? Do you know? Let me tell you a very good story. I am your pastor and today is Father's Day. And we have miracle service today. And yesterday was quite a busy day for me. So we went home. We got back home, my wife and I, sometime around to 11 or past 10. We had dinner and went straight to bed. And I set my alarm for 3.30, 3.30. And the alarm rang by 3.30. And I woke up, personal discipline. I must pray. It's time for service. I must study. Come on, we have miracle service today. And normally on a Sunday morning, around by 3 a.m., you would usually find me awake praying. So I got up and I moved from the bed and I went to, I have like an office corner in my house where I work, and I went to sit down on the chair, open my laptop, open my iPad, let's get into work. Then I woke up by past five. 
Honestly, till now, I can't remember sleeping off. I can't. I cannot remember. Raise your hand if that has happened to you before. Because many times, willpower is not enough. Do you understand? Willpower is not enough many times. Jesus said it. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you do not have systems that will make something happen outside of willpower, you will find yourself failing many times. Do you understand? This is why in your office, no matter how nice they are, they have rules and regulations. In your office, no matter how kind they are, some offices, if you come later than if office is meant to open by 9 o'clock, they will give you 30 minutes grace. Some people will give you one hour grace. If you come later than that 30 minutes, they will begin to deduct your salary proratedly. Why? Because we trust your willpower. You know that. We know that you have willpower. But systems and structures make things work. So you must value systems and structures above willpower and personal discipline. I'm not saying personal discipline is not important. I'm saying personal discipline is not everything. Do you hear me? Uh And this is why many people are not consistent because of lack of structure, systems and structure. Many people are not consistent because of lack of systems and structure. If you want to build a thing to last, you must have a contingency plan for, um, a contingency plan rather, for when things are not working out the way they they should work out. If I'm not in church on a Sunday morning, who preaches? Do you understand? There has to be a system. The reason why many organizations don't outlast their owners is lack of system. Many ministries don't outlast the owner of the person that started the ministry because of lack of system. Some of you started fellowship in university. The moment you left uni, the fellowship died. As you were going out, it was going with you. Lack of system and structure. You must learn the lesson of Rehoboth, the lesson of consistency. But if you are going to be consistent, you must understand how to build systems and structures. Do you hear me? At some point, there are certain things in your life that ought to be automated. Amen? Some things in your life ought to be automated. Maybe this is secret number two. I don't know, but I want to say something. Sometimes God gives you resources to automate systems and structures so that you can achieve other things. God has blessed you. You have a good salary. But you have a pile of clothes in your house. Every day, you look at that pile and you say, I will wash it one day. I will wash. Take it to the dry cleaners. You have a salary for God's sake. And then God is looking at you. It's aka gum that will destroy your life. That's stingy to your own self. How much is it at the dry cleaners? Take it to the dry cleaners if you can afford to. If you think the dry cleaners is too expensive, employ somebody, you, your work. You come here twice every month. You wash the clothes. You go home. I pay you. It's fine. God puts those resources in your hands so that you can, you can free up other resources to make other things possible. 
But no, the time you should be using to study, the time you should be using to plan, you are using to wash clothes. You know, some of the things that we call management is just foolishness. There's a way, there's a way they say it, penny wise, pound foolish. God has blessed you. You can buy a car. You can. You say, ah, no. Car? No, I can still be entering bus. So now, you have the resources to buy a car. You, comfortably, you can. But instead of buying the car, you are jumping bus from point A to point B, and you are late for every meeting you should go for. And so, you are missing your appointments. You are missing um, deals because of lateness. And all of that could have been solved if you just sat down, removed small money out of the plenty that God has given to you, and buy a car. Some of you, you cannot afford to buy a car. But you know deep within that there are meetings that you, you can go for in an Uber, and nothing will happen to you. No, you decide to enter a bus. So you enter the bus, and you are at the meeting smelling like fish and then you, you are telling me to pray to God for favor God favored you you use foolishness to remove it so I don't know whether this is secret number two but use resources to create room for success hmm. praise the Lord use resources to create room for success. Some of you, as I'm talking now, some of you are saying, well, this one applies to people that, that have money. Me, I don't have money. You have time. Time is, a, time is a more valuable resource. Time is a more valuable resource. You have time, yet they give you plenty of work to do. You have all the time in the world. You don't use your time to do any of the work that has been given to you. It's last minute. You say, me, I work better under pressure. <laughs> so you don't do your best work. You never give it. Do you know that there's something about finishing something on time and then having time to look at it again and look at it again? I say, I can say this one better. I can put this one in a different light. I can, uh, uh, use resources to create room for success. Many of you are busy doing nothing. You know that? If we, anytime we call you, I'm busy. What are you doing? You can't really say. Just know that I'm busy. Use resources to create room for what? You must. You just have to. <laughs> because if you don't, some things, listen, I'm, I'm talking to some of you, and let me tell you why we're doing this teaching series. I've realized that the general principle of God is God doesn't give trees. He gives seed. Do you understand? Do you, do you understand? He doesn't give trees. He will give you a seed. And so when, when God shows you a glorious picture of your glorious destiny, how you are going to be wealthy, he's not going to bring all of that wealth or anything into your hands directly. What he's going to do is he will give you a seed. Maybe he will favor you, favor you the one time. So you get a job that pays well. It is these things that I'm teaching you that will now pave way for the tree to grow. 
Do you hear me? Principle number three, the Lot's wife principle. The Lot's wife principle. Jesus said this, and I know he was talking about salvation, but let me borrow the thought. Jesus said this. He said that no man who puts his hands on the plow and turns back will be worthy of the kingdom of God. Allow me to borrow the thought and say, no man who puts his hands on the plow and turns back is worthy of success. Many of us, many of you, like the children of Israel, you start out on a success journey. You start out on a success, um, I, I want to be successful in life. The moment it gets hard once, you start to miss where you were coming from, the trenches where you left to move. Into levels of success. You start to miss it. Come on. Am I saying the truth? You, you started a new job. God has blessed you. You now decided you want to move out of your parents' house. And it's good. It's good to do so. It's very good. I think, especially for men, women too, but especially for men, I think... Everybody ought to live at least one year alone before they marry. There's a way it just reshapes your priorities. When you pay bills, there's a way you just have sense. Honestly, <laughs> you have sense. I, where the, you know where there's something, Lagos makes people wise. When you look for house in Lagos, two times you have sense. You, you just become calmer, more quiet, more put together. You just... Lagos agents. I can show you Pepe. <laughs> so you moved out of your parents' house. You got a house. You started paying bills. Then the first Nepal bill, they slapped you with the bill like this. Pay. You now want to move back to your parents' house. You will turn to salt. You are like Lot's wife. Stop looking back. Look ahead. Look forward. Do you hear me? Look forward. The situation might be difficult. Keep looking forward. The only reason you should look back is to draw examples from where you are coming from. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stop missing the good old days. Your best days are ahead of you. But those best days that are ahead of you, it's totally up to you. You have to work. Of course, there's favor, there's grace, but you must work. Praise the Lord. So learn the example. Stop, stop um, reminiscing. Some of you, it's not that you left your father's house. It's that you had a great idea to start up a startup company. I don't know if that's tautological, to start a startup company, and, and then you started the startup, and then of course it is going to be hard. Of course you are going to work hard. Of course you are going to, you know, pressure and push. And, and then once Nigeria should just, you know Nigeria, Nigeria happens to people. I heard of a guy, I, I don't know the story, but I, I, I can't even remember all the details, but I know he just, he had just secured a huge funding 
in dollars. No, I'm not talking about thousands of dollars. I'm talking about millions now. He had just secured a huge funding in dollars for his startup. Then Nigeria now shuts down Twitter. And so all his investors ran away from him. How many of you heard that story? Raise your hand. Am I the only one? Okay. Thank you. They ran away. Nigeria happens to people who, in such a situation, you now sit down that, ah, maybe if I was working in nine to five now, they would just be paying me salary now. Stop looking back. Do you hear me? Focus on your front. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So principle number three, the Lord's wife principle, stop looking back. Keep looking forward. The only reason you should look back is to draw examples or to draw lessons from past experiences. When you draw the lesson, you move forward. There's nothing for you in your past. Do you hear me? Stop looking for the comfort zone. Praise the Lord. In case you didn't hear me when I said it two Sundays ago and last Sunday, life is hard. Did you hear me? Life isn't easy. Life isn't a bed of roses. It can be difficult. It can be hard. It can get very tough. And like I said, first example, when life gets tough, prove to life that you are tougher. Have you ever heard the statement that fortune favors the bold? Yes, it's true. Anybody who is very quick to shy away from adversity, anybody who is very quick to run back to their daddy's house, to run back to their comfort zone when there's adversity, will never amount to anything useful in life. And what is worse is the comfort zone will soon start rejecting you. Is it true? Some of you men, you are in your 20s, late 20s. It's time for you to move out. You will walk home. You have a job. Move out of your father's house. No. Yeah. So one day, you just start seeing hints. That it's like insult as they're flying in this house. When, when your father will just look at you, say, you wake up, you say, good morning. Say, What's, your mates are in their houses. They're telling me good morning. When will you marry? <laughs> you know those insults that you did not ask for? You don't understand where it came from. It happens more to women. A lady tweeted that she just came back from her friend's, I mean, her cousin's wedding, and all her aunties have called her. That when are we coming for your own wedding? Uh -huh. Auntie, maybe you'll be coming down now. Very soon, the comfort zone that you keep running back to will reject you. So run away from it before it should reject you. Principle number four, the principle of priorities. The principle of priorities. I think this one, I think we all need to learn this one more than anything else. You see a person who has a well-paying job, your job is okay. You're paid well. And you know, well-paying job is relative, right? Good. So it's well for you. It takes you home. You are fine. You can actually have savings from your salary. It's paying you okay. 
You've only worked there for three months. You've only worked there for six months. Somebody else then comes with another offer, and it looks like there's more salary in that other offer, and you jump the ship. You need to learn how to prioritize. Because once you have secured a salary that is fine, the next thing you should look for is longevity. Do you understand? Let me put it like this. Once you've grown wide, stop growing wide and start growing deep. Do you understand? Because a time will come when all the people that are running after you, the next place you want to go and submit your CV, they will say, three months, this place. Three months, this Three months. Uh-uh. Have you stayed in any company for up to one year? Say, yes, where I did my NYC. They said, that was compulsory. It was NYC. You couldn't run away. You must learn to prioritize. You must have priorities. You must know when to say, okay, I know it would be a more tempting offer to move to this other place, all right? But where I am right now, what is wrong with it? Is anything wrong, genuinely? Am I earning okay? If you are earning okay, all right. If the other one answers the questions better, then move. I'm not saying never move. I'm saying prioritize first. Do you, do you understand? you know that this is the answer to the question, should I quit my 9 to 5 and start a business? Your 9 to 5 is paying you well. You are fine. You are okay. You know, say, I've always wanted to run a business. You know, God told uh, Cain that sin is knocking on your door. I would say to you, poverty is knocking on you. Prioritize. Ask yourself, okay, all right, this nine to five I'm running, do I actually like it? Okay, I like it. Is it paying me well? It's paying me well. This business I want to run, am I certain that if I go into it, it will prosper? Not really. What do you do in such a situation? I'll advise you, work the nine to five until you are able to save up enough money to start a company that somebody else will run on your behalf while you're earning your nine to five. Right? Yeah, that's much better than quitting the 9 to 5. I, I, I fired my... <laughs> Motivational speakers will be the end of some of you. They just tell you, your salary is the bribe they give you to forget your dreams. Some of your dreams cannot sustain your life. Oh. Say you know. Somebody else's dream is sustaining you. It's not for you to just quietly be sleeping with the person. As he's sleeping, you two are sleeping. Where you're dreaming, I'm dreaming. No, I want to fire my boss. And become my own boss. Well done, sir. Your priorities will put you in trouble. Your priorities will put you in trouble. Motivational speakers can be terrible, eh? You know, a lot of motivational speakers talk as if everything bends to your will. They say you leave, you leave um, your nine to five. All you need, all you need. To sell any business is 100 loyal people who will pay you. If you go through your WhatsApp contact list, you have more than 100 people there. You two, you now be thinking, that, yes. Then you now send your boss a message, I quit. Okay. Your priorities are off. 
Next week, I'm going to talk about balancing self-ambition or balancing ambition generally. And I'm going, to te- I'm going to teach you something. Some of you, the sole purpose of your search and pursuit for success is to show others that you made it. And for some people, you might think eh, those people are vague. But your own is you want to prove to somebody that said you will never make it that you can make it. You know you are in the same boat without that person, right? And I often ask people, this person you want to prove to, what if the person dies? What does your entire life become about? Ever thought about that before? That when I was younger, I had an abusive father, and my abusive father told me I would never amount to anything. So now that I've left school, I want to push and make sure I will drive home in white bands and show him that I made it. The next day, he now died. What are you working for? Your priorities must exist outside of things that can change so easily. Do you, get, do you hear me? And this is another thing. This is why priorities are important. Because when times are hard, the conviction that led you to begin is the conviction that will sustain you through it. This is why many people, raise your hand if you have a friend that starts a business, ends the business, start, is like bread and butter now. Today, they're selling wig. Tomorrow is hair. Next tomorrow, nails. Three days time, cars. In four days, they are real estate agents. Before you know what's going on, they are now into forwarding and clearing. Come on now. Do you know why it's like that for many of them? Nothing, there was no conviction behind starting anything they started. The only reason they were starting is, ah, so it's weeks that are moving now. Money is coming, oh, let's go. Do you know that making money alone is not good enough a conviction? And I'm not saying this because I'm a Christian. I'm saying it because your heart knows it. Do you know? Your heart knows it. Because when you try, 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 and the money you're making, you know there's a way you're making money, but you're losing money. You sell 30K, you spend 31,000. So people know you. They know that you're making sales, but the sales is just not moving. When you do that thing, do that thing, your heart will now call you and tell you, easy by force. Leave this thing now. Start something else. Start something else. Start something else. And listen, there is a place of, okay, um, okay, I, I wanted to do this, but I've done my market research, I've done my analysis, and so I'm pivoting to this other thing. Or I'm pivoting to this other thing. There's a place for that, and that's fine. What I'm talking about is people who just pick something, drop it, move. Three weeks later, you meet them, say, how are you? you say, I'm now selling food, though. Come and buy my food. You now say, okay, let me hype this person's food. And this is the thing about inconsistency. People who believe in you won't talk about you. Do you know? People who believe in you will not talk about you. Hi. The power of consistency is very underrated. Let me explain what I'm saying. You will not invite your friend to church on a Sunday morning if you are not sure that we are going to have physical service this Sunday. Is that correct? 
you just wake up Wednesday and uh, Friday night when it's time for us to put our flyers. You just see tomorrow and um, Sunday service is going to be online. Then the next Friday, physical service. Then for like three Fridays, we'll do physical and um, three Sundays we'll do physical services. Then six Sundays after online. Then seven Sundays after physical service. Another one is you will not invite your friend to church if you are not sure that the pastor is going to be around. Is it correct? Today, Poco is teaching in Poco is here. Tomorrow, ah, Poco went on vacation. No, when is he coming? Ah, he'll be like there for like six months. He's outside the country. He'll be back soon, sha. The church won't grow. I was listening. I went for a church leaders seminar, and one of the leaders said, "It doesn't matter how much Greek and Hebrew you know. People need to be. People need to know that you will be there when they come and look for you." Do you understand? People need to know. So you that you are running a business, you start this business today, you stop it tomorrow. You start this business today, you stop it tomorrow. So now you have a friend, Ruby, who knows somebody who wants um, a caterer to cater for 3,000 people. Ketra knows that you are, um, Ruby rather, knows that you are a caterer, or at least you are calling yourself a caterer now. But you know that Ruby is not going to recommend you for that business because she's not sure that by the time they come and meet you for the job, you are still a caterer. Maybe when they now come and meet you, say, ah, if you had come last week, I would have taken this job. But now, I'm into cars now. It's cars. If you want to buy a car, I can sell for you. Praise God. This is one major reason you must build your priorities right from the beginning. Before you start a business, ask yourself, must I start this thing that I want to start? The next principle is the principle of preparation. So you've asked yourself, must I start this thing that I want to start? I hope you know that success does not come to people who wish for it. Do you know? Success does not come to people who wish to be successful? Ah, you know, there's a way we can just sit down and just be like, hi, I will now start, I'll start my own startup. What's the startup going to be doing? I don't know yet, but I will start a startup. It will be a tech company. Tech, what area of tech? I'm working on it. But man, we now have like a billion users. Then we'll now build one big facility. Have you seen Apple's complex that is round like this? Our own will be square. Yes. We'll call ourselves Udara. Name of company will be Udara. Ah! Omar this is mad. He's mad. You think success will come to you because you did that? <laughs> Many of you in this place that have started businesses. When you come and tell me, Poco, I want to do this business, I will tell you, drop a business plan and give, put it in my hand. Go and research. One of the things that I, I heard from Bishop Oedipo that changed the way I think is before they started Covenant University, he went, he took a list of the 100 most successful universities in the world and he studied all of them. What makes a university tick? So you are here thinking Covenant University is a glorified secondary school. Covenant University is this one. But the school is working. And it's producing good graduates. 
It's not doing so because the man just prayed in tongues for 12 hours. And then he just came out. We're in school now. Let's go. You must prepare. Do you hear me? You must prepare. You mu- Listen, you see all those things you used to think were boring before. When they're talking about GDP. They're talking about um, the IGR of a state, internal generation revenue of a state. But talking about all of those things, you used to find them boring. Now that you are going into business, you must know them more. Do you understand? You must be able to say the inflation rate rose from this to this within this time frame. Because all of those things affect what you are doing. You must ask yourself, what are the variables in my business? What are the constants? Where am I spending money? Where am I not? You must be prepared. Nobody who wants to build a house does not first sit down to count the cost. You must count the cost. There are some business ideas that you have that by the time you count all the costs, you look at everything and you say, this business is good, but it's not for now. Many people don't understand this simple thing I'm saying to you. That's why many people fail. God told me to start a school. God told me to start a school. I have heard you. I've heard you. It's true. What does it take to start a school? Do you, or are you just wishing that I'll start something, I'll register in name? Do you know that's the, the least? Many of us think we've done due diligence because we've done CAC registration, that we are a registered business. Hey, hey, so, 5K is to register business name. Do you know? 5K, 10K. And I think it's 10K now. Business name, not business, oh. Business name. Oh, 20,000. You're saying it like it's plenty. 20K, register business name. Every, every one of us in this room can hustle 20K if we want to hustle it. So that's not what is going to make your business successful. And I'm using business because it's the easiest um, example to use in terms of success. In every other area of life, even ministry, did you hear me? Even ministry, you must prepare. Uh-uh. You must prepare. You must sit down and do. Uh-uh. What will it take to execute so, so, so number of projects? If you must prepare. Say, Pastor. I was in a vision last night, and the Lord showed me a school. I saw the name of the school. Gifted, bright, amazing boys and girls. Say, good. The Lord is asking me to start GBA Academy. Congratulations. All right, so now that the Lord has asked you to start, you now have to go and read up. You know, some of you, you come and meet me. I don't know why my business is not working fine. And I ask you, who is your biggest competitor right now? You start mentioning somebody in your streets. No. No. You must understand what you are doing. For instance, if you want to start a fintech that processes payments, your biggest competitor is in Nigeria. Your biggest competitor is not uh, Access Banko. It's paystack, flutter wave. So understand that when you're asking the question of what you must do, you must ask yourself, what am I doing or what will I do that paystack cannot do? Oh boy, you must prepare. Do you hear me? 
Pastor, I have this beautiful idea. I've called it Molue. The idea is you get a bus, these 24-seater buses. And as you're driving by, somebody will have a code. If they scan the code, you stop. You enter the congratulations. It's a great idea. We like it. Who is your biggest competitor? Why, do you know this is why, and I'm sorry I'm, I'm making this sound like it's a business school, um, but this is why companies like BlackBerry phased out. Companies like, some companies don't even kick off. Do you hear me? Uh-uh. Some companies don't, don't kick off. And you don't understand, you don't know, how many of you watch this um, thing, Lions Den? It, they've been doing, they have, there's a Dragon's Den, um, UK, and then there's a Lions Den, is Nigeria. And raise your hand if you've seen it around. All right, it's sort of like a business thing. So you come and you pitch your business idea. And then they were talking to someone and they asked him for, I think they asked him for his unique selling point, his USP. And he was stuttering. He didn't know. How do you pitch an idea before an investor? You don't know what your unique selling point is. You don't know. They said, okay, let us spell it out to you. What is your unique, uni what is it that you are doing? That um, I, I just know that we are wonderful. We are a wonderful product. Listen and listen carefully. Success doesn't come to people who wish for success. Success goes to people who work for it. And remember, the entire reason I'm doing this teaching series is we've prayed for favor. And the truth is, many of you have been favored. Understand the favor you are experiencing is a seed. Do you hear me? That new job, that new contract, it's a seed. All the future that God has shown you, he has already put in your hand. It's now time for you to grow the seed. And if you don't know these things I'm teaching you, you won't grow it well. This is why prophecies fail in people's hands. A particular man, I won't say his name, came and told us that God told him he would be the next president of this country. He could have been correct. Do you know? It's possible that God actually told him so. And then, it's time to do politics. And you sent the delegates SMS. You can't even visit them. You can't visit. Listen, it's not on God, it's on you. You are not prepared to win. Do I sound harsh? Paul said, everybody who runs, runs so as to win. Do you understand? And you must do it by the rules. If you know the rules are too dirty for you, create a clean version of the rules and play by the clean version. But make sure you are playing to win. Amen? You cannot just sit down in your house and be praying in tongues. And you think the tongues will create an empire for you. Ah, <laughs> God. I've told you before, favor works like a multiplying effect. A million times zero is zero. A million times one is one million. The favor is the one million. Your work is the zero and the one. What favor does is favor amplifies the little work that you put in and makes it plenty. It doesn't matter how anointed I am. 
Listen, even if Jesus himself appears in front of you and lays hands on you and says, be favored, if you don't get up and walk, you won't see anything. Do you know? I hope you know. Let us quit that fantasy Christianity that you just, God will, he will bless you, just wake up and see money in your wardrobe. Hey, but pastor, it has happened to some people. You don't make principles on exceptions. Do you understand? You don't make principles on exceptions. Go and prepare. Go and work hard. Praise the Lord. So, learn to be consistent. Use resources to create room for success. Stop looking back. Prioritize. Prepare. Know your onions. Know it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Know it. Know it. There's hardly anything, as far as ministry is concerned, though, as far as administration in a church is concerned, there's hardly anything about running a church I don't know. Hardly anything, I don't know. Doesn't matter what it is. We are not yet a mega church. I already know how to run one. What I don't have is experience. And I will concede that I don't have experience. But you see the knowledge? I have it. And people are more willing to give you a chance at gaining new experience when they see that you've put in the work to gain knowledge. Do you hear me? Many of you want to, you want to tell them that try me out now. They say, what do you know? They say, I'll learn on the job. Imagine you go to the hospital for surgery. Surgery, I left medical school. I actually dropped out. I say, so do you know how to do this procedure? You say, I'll learn on the job. There are many tools. There's Google. I can ask people. There's peer review. I'll learn on the job. Will you now lie down? Say, nah, that sounds about right. Go and lie down. So that they will use you for practice. If you won't expect that, then don't expect an employer to employ you after asking you technical questions about a role that you applied for and you don't know the answer. Then when he now, you now say, I will learn on the job. That's, that place is not school. It's a business. Do you understand? If you came with knowledge and, and you said, I have a lot of knowledge, I've done a lot of research, but I, I just don't have the experience and I want to build the experience, you know they'll be more willing to consider what you are saying than, I don't really know anything about this role, but I know I'm a fast learner. You can ask around. I mean, when I was young, I already started doing ABC at six months. Say, sir, when did you start reading ABC? Be knowledgeable. Prepare. Work hard. Understand that, and this is, I think this is the final one I will say, then I will take your questions. When David was standing before Goliath, hear me? When David was standing before Goliath, David did not carry his sling, catapult, and then come before Goliath. And then when Saul said, how will you bring him down? He says, the Lord will deliver him to me. Do you know how to use the sling? 
I'm mid, say three over ten, but don't worry. No. Listen, and this is the last thing. Learn how to sell yourself. Do you hear me? When David was in front of Saul, David did not say, I'm going to go against him in the name of the God that he's blaspheming. No. David said, I tend to my father's sheep. One day, a lion came out of the woods to kill the sheep. And I killed the lion by myself. Another day, a bear came out of the woods to kill the sheep. And I killed the bear by myself. He says, if I can take a lion and a bear, this is just a man. He's nothing before me. Listen. You need to understand that Saul permitted David to kill Goliath, not because of anointing, but because of experience. Are you getting it? David knew how to sell himself, but when David stood before the problem, he left all his experience behind and presented the anointing. He says, I come against you in the name of God. He didn't start telling uh, Goliath that, so a lion came and I killed a lion. A bear came and I, I will kill you. No. Many of you, the problem is you are well equipped You've been trained well, but you think it is humility to not sing your own praises. You think it's a type of humility. So when they ask you, can you do it? You say, by God's grace. What do you mean by God's grace? What do you mean by God's grace? Can you do it? Yes. Yes, I can. How do you know you can do it? I worked here, I worked here, I've done this, I've done this, and believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm excellent at what I do. Okay, let's consider what he's saying. Some of you, you get there, can you do it? You say, I can try. They're not paying you to try, they're paying you to do it. Learn how to talk, open your mouth. Do you hear me? God has not given you a spirit of what? But a spirit of what? And of what? And of what? A sound mind. Stop being timid. Say, Pastor, I'm a shy person, naturally. Your shyness will deal with you. You better go and look for how to work on it. They ask you, you get to a place. We're looking, and this is something many of you need to learn. Opportunities don't land in your laps. They don't just come and land in your lap like, pick me. You must have an eye for opportunity. So you're doing a, a, an internship or a training, and they say, we need someone to be, to be the class leader. Raise your hand. Say, I'll do it. I can do it. I'll, I'll lead the class. Why are you raising your hand? Because you know that the class leader is the one person that every other person in the class must talk to. Which means that you're positioning yourself for right relationships you're positioning yourself to have the right exposure to the leaders of the organization or to, of the training. You're positioning yourself properly. Do you understand? Aha, but no, we're looking for someone who will be class leader. You just sit down at the back. I cannot be class leader. I don't know how to lead. Nobody knows how to lead, though. Do you know? Everybody learns how to lead by leading. So position yourself properly, sell yourself properly, and when you get the opportunity, be competent. Did you hear me? Be competent. So many people are not competent. Be what? Come on, say it out loud. Be what? Many people are not competent. They can't trust you. 
And some of us laugh about it. You can't say, I will do it, and then the person will go and sleep. Be competent. Do things excellently. That's what competence means. And I've defined excellence to you. Excellence is not using the most expensive resources. You know, there's this very vague idea of excellence we have. Then you walk into a church, you say, wow, it's an excellent church. I want to see the keyboard montage. There isn't montage, not stage for keyboard. Therefore, screen, LED screen everywhere. It's excellent. No. Excellence is using the resources at your disposal, no matter how small, to the best of their ability. Do you hear me? So if we have this little thing that can do X, Y, Z, we must make sure that we milk it to do the X, Y, Z. So they ask you to write a report. Excellence is not that you now use a nice font, you now decorate, that's not excellence. Let me tell you now. Excellence is that by the time you submit that report to whoever asked for it, they wouldn't need any other report. By the time they hold that report in their hands, it's comprehensive. You take your time, take the initiative to say, if you ask for this, this is what it means. If you, I, I know you didn't ask for this, but I think this also helps. No, be, be competent. Come on, be competent. There's a saying that the reward for winning the pie-eating contest is more pie. Have you heard that before? The reward for, eating the pie, for winning the pie-eating contest is more pie. What that means is this. The people in the office who will be considered for more work, more position, and more honor are the ones who already do the work. Do you understand? The people who will be considered for more roles, for more successful opportunities, are the ones who are already successful. Or who are trying, who are putting in efforts to be successful. This is why in the world, the rich will keep getting rich. I'm telling you, the rich will keep getting richer and the poor poorer. I'm telling you now. Because there is a way the poor person thinks. Do you know that there's something called the poverty mindset? Do you know? Poverty is both in the mind and in the hand. And I dare say it is first in the mind before it is in the hand. Yes, life is spiritual. And so there are some situations and circumstances that are outside of your control, I agree. But sometimes it is in your mind. Boy, oh boy, it's in your mind. Look at the way you dress. I want you to look at the way you dress. I'm sorry, I'm not talking to anybody in particular right now. Okay? The way you dress on a Monday morning, you're going out. You, you sell at a shop. How do you dress to go to the shop? I want you to stand before the mirror, the way you are dressed on your way out, and imagine you were standing before a big CEO. Would you be shy? Would you feel like, oh, I'm underdressed? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not, I, I remember, I told you, excellence is not buying the most expensive things. So nobody is now telling you to go and sow senator, kaftan. Nobody is asking you to do that. Wash your shirt. Wash it. Please wash it. If you cannot iron it, 
Hang it when you wash it so it doesn't rumple. Amen. Wash your shorts. Know when to wear your crazy jeans. There's a time to wear, there, there's a situation. I'm not saying crazy, crazy jeans are bad. I don't like them. I generally don't like wearing jeans. I think it's Covenant Invest that did it to me. I generally just don't like wearing jeans. You hardly see me in jeans. I don't wear jeans. Plenty. No one to wear your crazy jeans. They're not bad. But they're not suitable for every situation. It might be okay to wear it to your office. You know, some offices allow it. But now you're going for a presentation. You're going to meet people who are older, who don't understand, you know, that it's just jeans. Just wear you now wear it. You now say, I'm going to speak my truth. You speak your truth to only people who care for your truth. The person is holding resources that you need, and you say, I will speak my truth. There's a lady that, that did one trend. Having colored hair does not make you unprofessional. If in the place you walk, the system says that it does, you better understand that until... You are at the top of the system. You will wear black hair. Do you hear me? And I'm not just talking about women, no. Because some of you boys, you'll be looking at me and say, yes, tell them. You won't cut your hair there. You dye it gold. Congratulations. And you work in a bank. <laughs> and you want them to take you seriously. When you enter inside the office, your boss will tell you, why is your hair gold? You tell him, the color of my hair does not stop me from doing my work. Is he stupid? Does he not know? <laughs> Do you think he doesn't know? He knows. It's just not what they expect of you. Say, no, it doesn't make me unprofessional. I can dye my hair and still kick ass in the office. Okay, congratulations, sir. Be competent. Do you hear me? Be competent. Praise the Lord. Let me stop talking. Questions. If you have a question, raise your paper above your head. Um, a member of the ushering team will just pass by your side and pick your question and bring it to me. No, no, no. Questions. Questions. Have a question. Raise that. This is the part I don't like. Okay, somebody has a question. All right. Do you, have you written it out? Please write. Please write your questions out. Or you, okay, if you don't mind asking your question into a microphone, raise your hand. All right, okay, so we'll pass a mic to you and pass a mic to. Let's start from Pastor Chisom. Then we move to Isabel. I'm doing this because this teaching series is actually quite instructional. And so um, I, I want to create opportunities for those areas where I probably didn't touch in all the instructions. There are so many things to say. And so little time to say it. So let's start from Pastor Chisom, if you would. Thank you very much, Emmanuel. Thank you so much, Pastor, for this teaching. So my question is, like, from where you talked about priorities and just generally everything you talked about today. So how do you, like, for someone that has multiple competencies, for instance, okay, I'll give myself an example. I pastor here in Circle Church. I work in a fintech space. I have other giftings that are mutually exclusive in my life. And then I try my best to be excellent. But then when it comes to priorities and these mutually exclusive things, how do you marry them? All right. The first thing you need to know is you don't need to do everything at the same time. You don't. You don't. Maybe many of you don't know this about me, but 
I am not to toot my own horn because God do create. <laughs> I'm actually very talented in many things. All right, I write. I'm creative. I design. I'm actually a designer. Like I design. I worked as a graphics designer, proper one, and I could use all the tools. Except Adobe XD. For some weird reason, I knew how to use it, but I wasn't great at it. But I was good at almost all the tools, including some video editing tools. Um, until I stopped working as a designer and I took up pastoring fully. Um, I design. I'm great at sciences. I want to. And then I have a goal. I actually, in my lifetime, want to own a technology company. Not necessarily tech as in, you know, tech tech, but like tech as in proper sciences, engineering tech. Right? Because I know engineering a lot. I know it well. All right. But right now, I'm a pastor. And that's fine. <laughs> you don't have to do everything at the same time. Some of the things you are doing, you don't need to do. All right, and I know you say, oh, God asked me to do them. Another thing is, when God says do, ask him when. Do you understand? When God says do, ask him when. Number next is, you need to learn time management and delegation. Some of the things you are killing yourself for, um, you can easily delegate. So you need to learn time management and delegation. I've said it several times. When it comes to order, many times the problem with order or why we feel overwhelmed is how we've presented our to-do list. Do you know that how you present your to-do list can overwhelm you? Do you know? Let me give you two examples. The first example... Um, you wake up today and somebody comes and says, what do you have for today? I say, um, I have to call, let me say, I have to call Pastor, Pastor um, David. Then I have to speak with love about kaftans. Then I have to call Ore for something. Ah, then I have a meeting by 10 with my boss. Then I have to call Pastor Finney. And then I need to go to so-so-so place and do so-so-so thing. By the time you present it that way, do you know that you feel overwhelmed? You're like, I have so much to do. But if you say, I have three people to call today. I guess I'll call them towards the end of the day. Or if it's important, I'll call them at the beginning of the day. So I'll call Pastor Finn, I'll call Pastor David, and I'll call Ore about whatever. And I'll talk to Love about the kaftan. So maybe between 9 and 9.30, I should sort that out. By 10, I have a meeting, so I should have breakfast by 9.30. After my meeting by 10, that one should last like two hours. I will go out. I will go to Jibo by 12 so that my break time, I'll just go to Jibo and dash back. Do you realize that I've said exactly the same to-do list in another way? But the fact, the arrangement makes the other one seem more possible. Many times, why you are overwhelmed is because you are telling your mind to be overwhelmed. I sound like a motivational speaker now, but stay with me. Many times, why you are overwhelmed is because you present the things you have to do in such a way that it overwhelms you. You do. Let me tell you one that irks you. If you're a business owner, I'm saying this because I just looked at one of you, and I love you, and I've been on you for this issue. You're a business owner, and then you have a lot of things to do, and you have to post on social media. There's a way you will now say, ha, and I still have to post on social media, as if it's a lot of work. <laughs> it doesn't take you five minutes to do that. Open Instagram, press the plus, choose post, select what you want to post, put a caption, 
percent. The end. Literally, the close it. Face something. You can do it while walking from task A to task B. Right? But the way you said it, that ah, social media is so tiring, and I still have to put. You will now feel overwhelmed. So if um, you want to marry, you know, several aspects of your life and prioritize properly, the first one is, am I, is everything that I'm doing now, must it be done now? And then the second is, how is my time management? And then the third is, can I delegate some things to other people to get done for me? You see that time management one, very important. I remember I was talking to, I think I was telling my wife yesterday, I, I think I'll be traveling to Abuja next week because I want to have a meeting with um, the people in Abuja. But then I have, the schedule is tight. So I was like, okay, I'll finish church, then I'll get to the airport, then I'll go to Abuja, then I'll have my meeting, I'll come back. So it's just like, ah! I'm like, hold on. If I finish church, the drive to the airport is like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. If my flight is for two, I leave by two. Hopefully, because Lagos and Nigeria do mad. But hopefully, if the flight leaves at the right time, then I should be in Abuja by 3.15. My meeting is for 5 p.m. I have two hours of meeting. After my meeting, I meet the last flight, and I'm back in Lagos by 11 p.m. I'm done. Ah, that's a lot of work. It is, is it stressful, or is it hard? It is. But is it overwhelming? Not really. If you plan, that's the thing. Many people don't plan their day, especially when you have a lot of things to do. You must learn to plan. Because when you don't plan, you will procrastinate. You procrastinate. You really will. So those calls that you could have made at the beginning of your day, you keep procrastinating them until they now call you and say, and I meant to call you. Next question, please. Sir, um, thank you for everything so far. My question is... I have to speak up, please. Sir, my question has to do with when you were saying that, oh, we should be able to say, oh, I can do this, I can do that, you know, put yourself out there, basically. But where do you draw the line between that and being an, what's the word, oversabi or an Aituno or just something like that? It was in primary school that it was an offense to be an oversabi. I want you to learn it now. In primary school, the people who hate you for being an oversabi are empty barrels. They hate you because they don't know. <laughs> the people who know better than you don't think anything of you knowing many things. I sound like I'm a harsh person, but I'm not, I promise. They really don't know. <laughs> of course, there's when you can become obnoxious and you rub your knowledge in other people's faces. And that's not what we're talking about. But if you know how to do it, speak up. You understand? They call you over. It's like, it's like uh, in this age and time, because you're a gentleman, they now call you woman rapper. You too, you're not feeling bad. Are you in primary school? They call you woman rapper. You say, how can you call me a homie? I'm not a... Just because you respect women like they should be respected. Say, woman rapper. You too, you're not like, I'm not a woman rapper. Hey, I'm a woman rapper. Are you happy? Or you go? <laughs> you're an adult too. <laughs> Let us start acting like an adult. They call you oversabi. You say, okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry if it offends you. I won't stop reading. I won't stop knowing things. 
And I won't stop putting myself out there. If there's knowledge that I can consume that will make me better, I will consume it. And when I have consumed it, I will let the world know that I have consumed it. So that if it will open a door for me, it will. Do you understand? If it has made me successful, you will be where you are, shouting over Sabi. I won't hear you. Does it make sense? We're not primary school children anymore. <laughs> See, every time, every time teacher asks question, you're the only one raising your hand. Why didn't you read? Why did you not read? Hey, why did you not read? As I now know the answer, and I want the teacher to know that I know the answer. Unko. <laughs> so now, here's the question, or here's the funny thing. Do you know that teachers is very interesting? When you are very active in class, and the teacher marks your script, and you failed the test, most teachers will call you and ask you, what happened? But there are some people that the teacher, when you fail, they say, I mean, normal. You should, if you had passed, it would have been. I mean, if you now, if you are one of those people and you pass, the child be reading the, and you will say, ah, uh-uh. ah. So please, oh, please, there is no crime in being a know-it-all. It's a problem when you are obnoxious and you want to rub it in every other person's face. You insult people because of it. You, um, you are very. What's that word? Um, derogatory, is that a word? You're very derogatory to other people because of it. You're a problem. That's the problem. But when it comes to knowing it all and putting yourself out there, please violently put yourself out. Do you hear me? Violently. Violently. Let's say you learned how to sing. I mean, after years of not knowing, you now learned it. You do music video every day. They must know that this voice, I have it now, Asabi. Asabi. Any other question? Raise your hand if you have a question. Okay, I have two. I have one from patients. Can I have from him first? Then I'll have from patients. Okay. Oh, and precious. Okay. Okay, um, please. When it comes to um, transitioning from... I am very sorry. You might have to speak louder. Okay. Like, when it comes to transitioning from one thing to another, let's say you have a conviction on something you want to do. Can you guys hear him? Hello? Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm so when sorry. It, when it comes to transitioning from one thing to another, okay. let's say you have a conviction on something you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, so how are you so sure of the when? Because sometimes it might be zeal pushing you when you are not yet ready. Okay. Other times it might be fear holding you back. So okay. What things do you look out for to know, okay, I should start now? All right, so first answer, prayer. This is a church. All right, so first answer, prayer. Prayer really helps in situations like that. Actually take time out to pray. But then there are times when you pray and it's like God isn't saying anything. So here are a couple of things you must look out for. You must have done your research to know what it will take to transition. Then the next question you want to ask yourself is all the factors that need to align to make this transition possible, how accessible are they? Do you understand? If they are within your immediate surrounding and it's something you can immediately jump on, then do I have the resources? Do I have... If you have all of those things, then be honest with yourself. Am I afraid? Is it just fear that is holding me back? The solution to fear is not really prayer. 
The solution to fear is the decision to not be afraid. Or, not even not be afraid, the solution to fear is the decision to do it afraid. Do you understand? So, ask yourself, you know, there are times that what is holding you back is just that genuine apprehension due to lack of preparation. We all experience that. Right? For instance, stand up. What's two times two? Did you have a problem answering that? All right, stand up. Can you give me a speech on the effect of solar flares on the gravitational system of Nigeria, in Nigeria? (laughs) (laughs) Sit down. My point is, my point is there's an apprehension you tend to feel due to lack of preparation. When you're very prepared for something, two times two is four, you answer it in your sleep. But when you are not very prepared, there's this, am I sure that you feel because you don't, you don't have all the details. So you must ask yourself, which of them am I feeling? Then there's the genuine fear of the unknown. Am I sure that if I start, it will work? Am I sure that if I continue, if I, if I push it, it will go? So the first is, if it's just the fear of the apprehension, um, the apprehension that comes due to lack of preparation, prepare. Actually, take some time to find out what you need to find out. That, that means we are done. Um, take some time to find out what we need to find out. And then the second is, if um, it's based on fear, fear, as in I'm afraid oh, there's a lot that I, uh, I just don't know how to push myself out there, then you might need to just do it afraid. If you have all the resources around you, everything is around you and has aligned, you've gathered all you need to gather, do it afraid. But then the first thing is to pray. Honestly, pray. Um, patience raise the hand. Patience then precious, and then precious is the last person. Our time is actually fast spent. I apologize for keeping you guys beyond twelve. All right, patience. Um, so my question is on the third principle. You talked about um, not going back to your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So what if you go back to your comfort zone just for like a limited period until you get back to your feet? Is that bad? Yes. It is. Let me tell you, how many of you go to the gym? Raise your hand. How many of you have tried to work out before? Raise your hand. All right, put your hands down. Let me tell you what happened to you. Those of you that no longer work out, you were working out, you were consistent for one week, two weeks, two weeks. Let me give you two weeks. Then you took a break. Is that correct? You took a break, then you went back. Then you took another break. This time the break was longer. Is that correct? I'm telling you my stories because me too, I'm, I'm with you people. I, I'm, I've stopped. God will help me to start again. <laughs> then one day, you woke up that morning and like, I'm going to the gym. And like, I beg. <laughs> Am I saying the truth? Here's why. Once you tell your mind that it's okay to stop, your mind will never stop stopping. Is the truth. Is the reason why, is the reason why um, in ministry, anytime you go for a minister's training, they will tell you, if God called you in school, once you leave school, start ministry. Don't wait. Don't go to the bank and work. Don't go and work in pay stack. Start. Because if you rest small, you won't do it again. If you return back to your comfort zone for a bit, uh, okay, let me just refire to perspire. Mm. If you need to take a break, mm, 
you are running this way. This is your comfort zone. You've gotten here and you are tired. You need to take a break. Don't go back to your comfort zone. Stand where you are. Take a break where you are standing. Pause. Stop talking. Go offline. What, you know all those things we do just to clear our heads? Take a break there. And when you pick yourself back up, keep going forward. See, returning back is never the solution. Do you hear me? Never the solution. So it's not okay to briefly return and say, let me just, even if he's, mm-mm, don't do it, it's wrong. In your prayer life, see, this is what I'm telling you applies to everything that requires discipline. Once you tell your mind it's okay to stop a bit, it will never stop stopping. It will keep telling you to stop. And the funny thing is the stops will keep increasing. The stops will keep increasing. So one day you will stop and you won't do it again. Amen? Amen. All right. Next. So my question is on... Come closer. I think you're far from the receiver. Speak up. Um, gathering. So how do you gather when you have a project you're working on, like a wedding you're working on? How do you gather? How do you gather what? You mentioned that you have much you need to see. Mm-hmm. And time for lack that you have to dispense. And it gets to a point that you have, but then you're working on it on so how do you gather? How do you save? Ha! You see this question you have asked me? The answer is not what you think the answer is. So. The answer is, first of all, why is your wedding so expensive? You know when I was planning my wedding? I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just telling you what me I did. I was planning my wedding and I put aside some money and then, my wife and I, when we met with the parents, we said, oh, um, we want, my wife initially wanted 50 people at her wedding. 50. Because my, my wife is a very private person. I'm not as private, so I was okay. I was okay with 100, 150 people. So I was like, okay, we'll do 100, 150 people at the wedding. So we presented 150 and in our minds, we've created room. We told my mom. She told her mom. I told my mom. And the both moms had the exact same expression. 150. My people will be more than 150. <laughs> so I said, ha, hall for more than 150 is expensive in Lagos. They said, we've heard you. My people will be more than 150. So what are you looking at? Let's do like 1,000 people. I said 1,000. She said yes. I said who is coming for the wedding? No, who is doing the wedding? Then we started talking about food. I said it's just a small wedding. We'll serve small rice. My dad said small rice. He said no. You must have chicken, you must have fish, you must have goat meat, you must have cow, nice beef, proper beef. People must have options when they come for, I said options. So I called my parents and I sat them down. And I said, honestly, when I came to meet people that I want to marry, this was my budget. 
If you people allow me to do the wedding I say I want to do, this morning we cover it. I've done the mass. So you see this one that people are saying you want to do, you will pay for it. Do you agree? They said, hey. <laughs> we are not arguing. They thought it was a joke until it was time to pay for the hall. And so my mom took me to the hall. And we sat down. And then the manager came out. Said, I want to use your big hall. How many people can eat it? 750. I looked at her. I said, okay, no problem. 750 people, let's go. How much is the hall? 750,000. So, so I told the manager that that's very nice. My, my mom will send you the money. <laughs> he shocked her. <laughs> Actually, the hall, parents are funny when it comes to wedding. The hall we actually saw was a 550-seater, five five their smaller hall. And we agreed for that one. That one was going for around 600000 So we had agreed for that one. My mom said, oh, okay, we'll, I'll pay. I'll pay. Is it hall? I'll pay. Where she paid? She told me, I've paid, though. And I went to go and see the manager. That, so my mom called and said she has paid. He said, yes, that she paid for the bigger hall, the 750-seater. I said, that's not what we agreed. <laughs> when it comes to weddings, honestly, and let me just say this out there, especially for men, because most weddings are supposed to be paid for by men. Most, not all, but most. Don't let anybody put you under pressure. You must manage expectations. Amen. Amen. When you were dating the girl, you wanted her family to know that you are comfortable. Amen. So you were driving to, you were always entering with Uber, you were driving to come and buy her. When the time for the wedding comes, you tell them that I am only a man. <laughs> I cannot kill myself. <laughs> Manage, I'm telling you the truth. So in a situation like that, the problem might just be that you people are taking on yourselves more than you ought to. That's the truth. That's the truth. We wanted to call a wedding planner to plan the wedding. I didn't tell my wife about this. I just thought about it. Let's look for a wedding planner. So I spoke to one person. The person said wedding planner is 250000 I said, would they use the two fifty to plan the wedding? He said, no. And that's their money for planning the wedding. I said, I've planned camp meeting. We run church service and I plan it every Sunday. What is wedding? I said, I will plan, I will plan this wedding. I did do. I planned the wedding. What, what, what do you mean? It's just an event. <laughs> it's just an event. Honestly, it's the truth. Um, you want to call a photographer. You have friends that take pictures. No, you want to go and call somebody who will charge you 500k for photography. And 500k is worth it, though. It's worth it. But can you afford it? <laughs> if you cannot afford it, go for somebody that will, not, that will not kill you. Let me tell you another thing that you might not know. You see your wedding album? It's maybe like the first two months you will look at it. After the first two months, it's for visitors. When they come to the house and I say, ah, so we married, though. This was me and my wife in this place. It will get to a point where you will not know where the wedding album is again. Just keep it somewhere in the house. Just be there. 
you pay the photographer 500k for it. So if you are just starting out, if you have the resources, I mean, God has blessed you. Photographer, okay, call 500k. Say, uh -uh. I thought you would say like 1M, 500, you are too cheap. Look for somebody else for me. If God has blessed you like that, if God has blessed you that way, go ahead. But if you don't have the resources, manage expectations. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the answer to your question. It's not, there's no secret. The secret is not, oh, use this money and do this, then save this one. Take 10%. Mm -mm. The secret is to, first of all, manage expectations. Do you hear? Do you hear? How many of you came for my wedding? Raise your hand. It was a big wedding. It was a very big wedding. I didn't pay for up to 30% of it. I did not. I paid for the food. It was a big deal because we killed cow and like 10 goats, like 20 chicken. We killed plenty things. <laughs> I paid for the food. Proud of myself. Amen. Very proud of myself. But, but I managed the expectation though. When they come and say, we want to do souvenir, I said, we'll print book and do biro. They said, no, you'll do tower, you'll do tray. I said, you know the principle now. <laughs> Me, I will print book and biro. <laughs> towel and tray, dustpan, bowl, bucket, anything you want to do outside of book and biro. The Lord bless you. <laughs> and they did, though. <laughs> Honestly, manage expectations because a lot of people get into debt because they are planning wedding. Do you know you will f the wedding day will pass like this? Am I saying the truth? Those of you that are married, you know I'm saying the truth. Like, the day will start, finish, and this is the question you will ask at the end. Is that it? So that's the day. You go and sleep. The next day, you will not feel different. That, okay, the anointing of marriage is on me. No. But some of you, you wake up the next day in debt. You are owing 600,000, 1 million naira, 3 million naira. Come on now. Uh -uh. So manage expectations. Ah, but there, is a, there should be a limit to managing expectations. No. Praise God. Please. Don't call us for your wedding and serve us cabin biscuit and Fanta. Please. As you're managing expectation, know how low you can go. Don't go low. Don't go too low. Don't make your parents and your parents-in-law insult you. <laughs> just know what is reasonable to do. Like when they were talking, I was just looking at them. When they finished talking, I said, I'll pay for the food. Because food is a very important part of wedding. They said, we'll kill cow. I said, I'll buy it. Well, I will buy all of it. I will pay for it. Did I have this money? No. <laughs> I went to look for it. But then you manage expectations. That's how to gather. Do you hear me? Let me tell you a secret or something you need to learn. For those of you who are planning your wedding, plan for your home more than you plan for the wedding. Don't finish your wedding. You don't have fridge in your house. You think they will give you fridge at your wedding as a gift. They will not. Do you hear me? They won't. Plan for your home more than you plan for the wedding. If, if, if you want to have, you know there are these washing machines that have dryer and the washing machine. Just all you need to do is put cloth and put water and put soap to come out dried, clean. If that's what you want to have, have that. Buy it. Plan for your home. Do you hear me? 
Ah, the wedding will come and go. The people that don't eat in the wedding, they will swear for you, but it will not reach you. <laughs> Let's wrap service up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm, what I'm saying is true. I'm, I'm serious. I'm joking, but I'm serious. Plan for your home more than you plan for the wedding. Amen. Amen. All the things people want to say about the wedding. We came for your wedding. We did not eat. Sorry, eh? So did you not eat when you got home? You ate, have you? That's fine. Many people will come and tell you, you know those people, the thousand people that you want at your wedding? Do you know people who meet me today? They will say, I was, your, I was at your wedding. I say, really? You were there? Wonderful. I don't know you, sir. Never met you before in my life. My father was telling me the wedding should be the talk of the town. I said, which town? Nobody's, nobody will talk about it. Nobody. Uh, was it Buhari's daughter that did wedding? They shared iPhone 12, gold-plated. Whose daughter did? When they, when, nobody talks about it that much anymore. I'm not sharing anything. I'm not sharing iPhone. I'm not sharing iPhone 6. <laughs> so who's going to talk about the wedding? Please manage expectations. Praise God. Did you learn something today? Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness. Thank you for the privilege to fellowship together. Um, we've learned a lot today and in this teaching series. Lord, we just pray that all that we have learned will help us through life in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you for listening. For more Head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.